0: Hello and welcome back to the Norma Columbus Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you for listening. Season 5, Episode 9. Do you want to dance? High school dances are a memory many of us recall. I felt invincible and carefree then. I didn't worry about financial or health issues or losing someone I loved. My biggest concerns were my social life, sports and activities, and keeping up with my schoolwork despite this busy schedule. A teacher who brazenly assigned homework on a Friday was never my favorite person, and setting a test for Monday? Phew, perish the thought, forget it. We vehemently argued against these injustices and were appalled if we didn't win out. To avoid an exam or do assignment, Some slackers skipped school on those Mondays. There was no hope of me being allowed to do this. My parents had me on that school bus every morning, come hell or high water. My hometown had a population of about 400 people and there weren't many organized social activities for teenagers. School dances, including the annual fall freshie dance, were significant events. We really looked forward to those things. It was the late 70s, a time before every teen had a cell phone, and even though Facebook and Instagram weren't invented, word of an upcoming dance still traveled quickly from town to town. The message used by dance organizers to invite other schools to a dance was a poster sent by snail mail. Once it was pinned to the bulletin board at school, students curiously gathered to scope out the information. I remember feeling excitement and anticipation when my date and I rolled into town with Saturday night fever by the Bay City Rollers blasting from the truck's eight track player. Music pounding from the speakers could be heard before you saw a vehicle emerge from the dust that clung to the night air. Guys installed lights on their running boards, interior lighting and exhaust stacks to enhance the appeal of their vehicle. My dad drove me to and from the first couple of high school dances I attended. Having the older boys see your dad drop you off was embarrassing but I was desperate to get there and that was my only option. Of course he parked his brown farm truck with a cap on the back right in front of the hall. I have wondered through the years if he did that merely to annoy me or possibly to get the message across to the boys that he was taking me home. The Hubs and I started dating the evening of a school dance. It was a setup from the start unbeknownst to me. I was minding my business, casually sitting at a table in the Paris Café in Lisque with friends before the dance. The hub's cousin came in and asked us to join them for a ride in his two-door sports car. We were just sitting there looking uncool anyway, so we agreed to go. When we went to get in the car, I thought my friends and I would sit in the back, and his cousin would sit up front beside him. With a couple of quick, well-orchestrated moves, I ended up perched on the centre console next to him with his cousin in the passenger seat and my friends tucked in the back. Besides the school gymnasium, the community had a small hall built by the Legion in the 1920s. The hall had two tiny bathrooms, a kitchen and an elevated stage area. An addition was later added to provide space for a chair and coat storage and a place to stand away from the dance floor. School dances were held there so as not to damage the gym floor. For years, no one knew any difference, though the little hall seemed adequate until a new hall was built in 1980. This was a big event for the community and both facilities are still operating today. Young people came to school dances from far and wide in groups of girls or guys, couples on their own or those on double dates with friends. The lead up to a high school dance was possibly the most exciting time of the whole event. What I was going to wear and how I would style my hair and makeup were important decisions to be made. It was common for teenagers to drive around town and go in and out of the dance. The driving around was done for various reasons. They didn't want to show up at the dance too early and be the first one there. They wanted to be alone with their date, sitting so close you couldn't squeeze a dime in between them. Or for some it meant driving out of town to consume some liquid courage. On these occasions, the town was alive with vehicles going up and down Main Street or parked in the bullpen to converse. Many drivers stopped in the middle of the street to talk to someone in another vehicle, and others had to drive around to get by. Mini skirts and the hippie style had faded away. I don't recall any of us dressing too far out, but when you are living something, it seems all good. It's only when you look back that you think to yourself, oh man, what was I thinking? I remember wearing wide leg jeans rolled up at the bottom, a satin shirt with a patchwork design, a jean jacket and navy shoes with black platform soles. If it was cold, I wore my green and white high school bomber jacket. When I think of that shirt, the song A Coat of Many Colors comes to mind. I hoped I had misremembered that shirt, but when I searched the fashions in the 70s, there it was screaming out at me from the computer screen. It is probably safe to say that the shirt is now part of a quilt somewhere. May it rest in peace. Dangly earrings, a choker or zodiac mood necklace, and a watch were my typical accessories. I had long hair parted down the middle through grade 10 and 11 with a bit of natural curl in it. In grade 12, a perm chin-length cut appeared. A perm was also one of those things that seemed like a good idea at the time. A generous swath of dark blue eyeshadow and several thick coats of black mascara was necessary to complete my look. I'm not sure what look I was trying to emulate, but Fair Fawcett may have been my inspiration. The guys wore logo or number t-shirts or patterned shirts, jeans with cowboy boots or runners, and most of them wouldn't be caught dead without a hat covering their bushy hair. Their hats were not the expensive ones we see today. One from a team or an agricultural company sufficed. The lighting at dances was an important feature. The image of a disco ball slowly turning and illuminating the hall with rays of reflected light and strobe lights flashing from the stage was a sight to behold. Oh, the awkwardness of the teenage years. Girls stood or sat in the single rows of chairs that lined the hall, Guys stood at the back of the hall waiting for someone else to dance first or trying to get up the nerve to ask a girl to dance. If a guy approached a girl to ask her to dance and she shut him down, it was a humiliating experience that left his confidence shaken to the core. There are two sides to every story, though. If a girl saw a guy that she was not interested in making a beeline for her, she felt cornered with nowhere to hide, which was also an unpleasant experience. When my parents attended dances in the 40s and 50s, the music was provided by local musicians who volunteered their talents. Eventually, hiring a band became the thing to do until they became too expensive or hard to book and DJs were employed as an alternative. Technology evolved from records, cassette tapes, and CDs to video dances and computers. A selection of songs of different tempos were spun with a slow one always ending the evening Established couples danced with the girl's arms around the guy's neck, his arms holding her close, with his hands resting on her lower back and their heads tilted towards each other. If casual acquaintances were dancing when the night-ending slow song came on, that could be awkward, and one or both prayed for it to end as they stiffly shuffled to the tune. A good thing about a slow dance was that you didn't have to know how to dance to pull it off. You just stood in one spot swaying back and forth. Even the biggest klutz could look like they knew what they were doing. Music from big box speakers filled the hall. Songs by Queen, Elton John, Nazareth, ACDC, Aerosmith, The Guess Who, The Bee Gees, BTO, The Rolling Stones, ABBA, Van Halen, Stephen Wolfe, Led Zeppelin, Rod Stewart, and Barry Manilow were on night's playlist. So many great artists then. We went to dances in other towns, and it was interesting to go to new places, but you never felt quite as comfortable as you did on your own turf. No matter where the dance was, there was always an after-party in a bush somewhere, as no one wanted the night to end. In the line of duty, teachers and later parents were expected to supervise dances and intervene if a skirmish broke out. A middle-aged teacher trying to make a fight between teenagers was a perilous undertaking. Nothing stays the same forever, and years later, school-sanctioned dances were no longer held in the hall. They were hosted at the school, and the rules were tightened. There came a time when staff and parents were no longer interested in the hassle involved in supervising dances. When you're a teenager, most of your life is ahead of you, and there is so much to look forward to. Friendships are everything, and romance and love are in the air. There was a great deal of debriefing required on Monday morning after a school dance. How everyone looked, what they were driving, who they danced with, and who took who home all had to be discussed in depth. I felt the teachers should wait until these crucial details were analyzed before starting the class. If they had waited, it would have saved me the distraction of writing and passing so many notes. Visit my lifestyle blog for episode pictures and links to my garden and published works pages, food blog and gift shop. My website address is in the episode notes.